Hello everyone, welcome back to Midwest Madness, your true crime cult conspiracy encrypted podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. And is it, it's June. Yeah, it is June. Damn. Which means, teachers, you're almost done. You're almost there. We believe in you. And if you're not a teacher, you have to work every day of your life. <laughs> so. So. Sorry? Question mark? <laughs> got nothing to look forward to. I'm just kidding. Oh my God, so sad. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um, so it is my turn to do this story. And um, I told you this one was based out of Chicago. Yeah. But that's it. That's all you know. And you said maybe it would be two stories. It's only one. Okay. It was long enough. Um, I wasn't, I just wasn't sure because like. Sometimes, like, you get started, like, you know, you get started on a story, and you get, like, 300, 400 words in, and then all of a sudden it's, like, the end, and you're, like, well, shit, that's gonna be, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and so when we talked the other day, I was, like, about that far in, and I was just not sure how much further we were gonna go. So. Guess we'll find out. Yes. Um... So, the story starts December 27th, uh, 1978. Definitely almost said 1987 because I also have the number dyslexia. Yeah. Especially if it's, like, 987 or 978. Like, it's 978. Yeah. So, then my brain just wants it to be the right order. Yeah. So, it's 1978. Yeah, I don't... I'm usually pretty good, but for some reason I was not good in my last episode. (laughs) That's okay. We we all have our our trials. Yeah. <laughs> um okay, so it was around noon um when J Patrice Manadrell entered the office of Larry Chalmers and said, quote, "I hate to be the one to tell you this, but I think we have had a theft of three Cezanne paintings." Oh, End I feel quote. like I've heard this story before. And I I really hope that's how you say it is Cezanne. It's C-Z-A-N-N-E. Um, they were a French painter in the uh, mid to late 1800s. Okay. Um, and if that's not how you say it, I'm going to sound really uncultured and very stupid. <laughs> so, um, the three paintings that were missing were Madame Cezanne in a yellow armchair, painted from 1893 to 1895, and that was a, pa- a painting of his wife. Um, apples on a tablecloth painted from 1886 to 1890, which was one of the most influential abstract paintings on the 20th century abstract art. And then house on the river, which was painted from 1885 to 1890. Not really an art person, but no, me sure they're popular. Me either. Like I, I've, feel like i've probably seen these but i wouldn't know what they were called yeah I, I agree um so these um three paintings were among the art institute of chicago's collection of works and were valued at 250 million dollars holy shit so these three paintings alone were not 250 million dollars the whole collection oh jesus of paintings okay was 250 million dollars do you know how many are in a collection i don't um but these three paintings held a value of three million 
Okay. So that's approximately a million dollars each. each. Um, that was in 1979 money? Uh, or 78 78 money. money? Yeah. Um, I didn't even think to that's look fine. up what it would be now. Um, it's more. We can tell yeah. you that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely more. Um, so this makes the Suzanne theft the second biggest in Chicago history. Um, the largest was a bank heist. But unlike a bank heist, you can get money back and like, you know, you can like reprint more money and whatever. Right. But these are priceless works of art. So it's a little bit more traumatic yeah. for the victims. At first, um, Larry Chalmers, who was the president of the Art Institute of Chicago, held out hope that the conservation team had taken the paintings to the lab, even though the frames of the paintings were found in a storage area in the basement. Oh. Um, now, you have seen the movie, uh, um, oh my God, with Nicolas Cage. Oh, National Treasure. Thank you. Of course. And you know, a they classic. Like, yeah. And they like carry the Declaration, the Declaration of, of Independence. Independence and they've got yeah. like that, that sensor and like blah, the sensors blah, blah, and, yeah, the and heat so, centers and so this, like, this, that. You've seen that movie. You know that it's like, you don't just like take shit like that out of the, the painting. Like you don't take that just out of the stuff anywhere. So like in conservation, it's a huge no-no to just like take these paintings out of the frames wherever like you want to be in like a sealed temperature controlled laboratory basically sounds like too much work for me <laughs> yeah it sounds like it would be really stressful work to yeah me. so um unfortunately that was not the case conservation did not have have the paintings um so police and fbi interviewed people that worked at the art institute of chicago there are no cameras at this point um I didn't see anything about cameras, so I'm going to assume no. Okay. Because that would have made things really A lot easy. easier. <laughs> yeah. Um, Marin Drell told police and FBI that the paintings had been removed from the second floor gallery because it was being remodeled. He had decided not to put the paintings in an overcrowded vault where they would have been safe, but put them in a storage area off of a nearby corridor. That doesn't seem like a very smart decision. Yeah, it's it's unusual, that's for sure. He did some had something to do with it, I'm assuming. <laughs> I guess you're gonna have to wait and find <laughs> out. Um so the last time that anyone could definitely say that they saw the paintings, um, was on November twenty eighth when a curator f- a cr- sorry Curator. A, thank you. Um, from the Royal Academy of Art in London, a man named Norman Rosenthal came to see some of the art that he was hoping to show in London. Um, he said that, like, he thought it was crazy that these paintings are being stored in this area and was like, what are they doing? But, like, as a guest, he's obviously, like, he's not going to say anything. Yeah, he's like, ugh. Americans. Oh, God, these Americans. Yeah. <laughs> get me some tea <laughs> just kidding <laughs> um so the room was far from secure there were at least 300 employees that had access to keys for the room and that's at least that's not like total doesn't make any sense no um if they're worth that much money the man that found the first empty frame was the head of the shipping department named reynolds bailey when he found the empty frame, he'd gone to Marindrell 
um, who found the other two empty frames. Um, Bailey was one of, or sorry, Bailey was the one that headed up a crew of six men who were in charge of moving the paintings from the gallery to the storage room. So he was one of maybe like a couple dozen people tops that knew that those paintings were in that room. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but were there more than just those three paintings that were moved there? Or was it just those three paintings? So from from what I know... Or was it like a whole like room of paintings? The, the storage room that they should have been put in was really crowded. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's because the rest of the gallery was in there and they were just like, you know what, we only have these three more, let's not. But um, I don't have a definitive answer to your question. Okay. Because to me, how big are three paintings really going to be I mean these aren't it's not like it's one of those like wall murals it's like a painting right yeah I know so I'm just looking at the art on the wall over here and I'm assuming it's probably around the same size yeah I would think I I actually don't know the dimensions or anything um I haven't even looked up what the pictures look like yet so um police and FBI Sorry, my friends keep texting me and they keep blocking my oh. my words. So, because I like scroll as I read, so yeah. I don't lose my spot. And my friends keep texting me. Um. So, okay. Police and FBI turned their attention to one specific man that was part of that six man crew. His name was Laud, L A U D, Spencer, Nick Pace, and he goes by Nick. Which makes sense because I would not want to go by Laud either. Right. Um, so Nick tells police that he wants to be a writer and takes menial jobs to better focus on his writing career. So that's why he's working at the gallery as a mover. And um, he'd also been like a cabbie and he'd done something with... Oh, God. I don't remember. It was some other, like, random... So, it just does, like, odd jobs, basically, yeah, to yeah. fund his so that bills he can, so he can write. Yeah, focus on his writing. Um, Nick had been seen by a custodian on the morning of December 22nd at 6.15 a.m., which was not completely unusual for him to be kind of around because, like, he works there. Um, unless you know that Nick usually doesn't show up for work until 9 a.m. Not only that, but Nick was seen carrying a large brown package, one that just happened to be the same size and shape as three paintings. That seems too easy. So, the custodian tells the corporal of the guard, so that's like one of the head people that's in charge of security. Mm Mm-hmm what he'd seen, and she ordered the rest of the team to look in each gallery for missing paintings. None were found, the incident was logged, and things continued as normal. So, since none of the paintings were missing from the walls, Nick wasn't even questioned, even though he had parked a car in the Art Institute's driveway, which is something he didn't usually do. So, how long was this? Were they missing, like, one night before people noticed? No, five days. Five days, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Because it was the 27th. Okay. I knew you were going to ask that, so I scrolled up really quick. (laughs) Um, They had lots of time. Yeah. So Nick is questioned by FBI and police, 
and they ask why he'd been into the museum so early on that morning and he said uh i wasn't and then they said do you own a car and he said no but he did and then they said will you take a polygraph and he said no and why then, lie about such things that are so easy to prove because i don't think he's like a criminal mastermind over here clearly he's a writer truth not a true crime one though obviously clearly <laughs> um and then nick quit he was like i don't need this harassment i don't need this bullshit i'm out so you know making himself look super innocent so in the meantime nick changes his story he said he had been in the storage room that morning he said he'd been sick and needed to grab some money out of his locker to buy medicine so that's why he'd been in so much earlier and then he decided that while he was there, he might as well grab the plexiglass pieces that he had put in the storage room instead of discarding like the Art Institute was going to do. And he thought that that early in the morning would be a good time to do that. Did he say why he wanted the plexiglass pieces? He did not. He just wanted them. Okay. He wanted to frame his, his writing. <laughs> or his new paintings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or that. Um, And then he said when he told police that he didn't own a car, he meant that he didn't own a car that worked, Um, which actually turned out to be true because police went and checked there outside of his apartment. His roommate had a car and then he had a car and the car that belonged to him did not work. So that that wasn't two lies and a truth. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) technically wasn't a lie. Especially if he really did think they meant like, oh, does your car work? But that's not what they asked. They asked, do you own a car? Yeah. And in that case, I would have responded, yes, yes. but it does not work. Right. So, you know, maybe he was just nervous. Um, poli- Nick had also given police permission to search his, impar- his apartment. Inside, they found the plexiglass, some plastic wrapping, and two art books, but no paintings. So... In the garbage, they also found some of his writings. Are they really bad? I'm going to read one, part of one to you. Oh, God. It's part of a short story. <clears throat> Are you ready? Yeah. Quote, I looked at the building complex and began to work seriously for the first time. It was obvious that the escape would be the most crucial element of the operation. The target's elaborate alarm system, complemented by armed guards, did present as much of an obstacle as did its location. Chicago's Loop. With its abundance of police and congested streets where, even at night, a speedy retreat by car would turn absurdly unadvantageous, which is not a word, within a matter of blocks. The Morton Wing, that jutted north from the main building at a first glance, gave promise. The flat-top modern structure ran parallel to the Illinois Central Railroad Yards that separated the two elements compromising the Art Institute. The main building dating to the 1850s and then it just kind of ends and this was just like written out on like loose leaf paper so that's end quote (laughs) okay so like it definitely does paint a picture but that really isn't that hard to do when you're literally looking at the thing i was gonna say it doesn't it paints a picture that doesn't make him look good accurate (laughs) Um, He did tell police that it was a work of fiction. Of course. Um, 
because like he wanted to work there and see how he would get away with an art heist apparently mm. that's the story we're going with so he's doing research mm-hmm. gotcha. allegedly yeah um, Nick was then arrested for the theft of the Pexley glass, the plastic, and the two books which belonged to the museum. <laughs> and the books in one of them was one of the Cezanne um, paintings. Like, it, like, had a picture of it. can't believe they arrested him for the plexiglass that they were going to throw away. <laughs> um, so, basically, in the article that I read, it said that um, he... It was like a conditional arrest and charging. So like if he stayed out of trouble for the next year because he pled guilty to those two thefts and then weirdly the plastic. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're like, and the plastic. Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Charge him for that. Right. Um, It said that he none of that would show up on his record. So um, over the next few weeks, police continue to question Nick. But nothing comes from it. And the museum offers a $100,000 reward, but the paintings remain missing. The thing is, he didn't do it by himself. You don't think so? No. Who do you suspect? I told you, the guy who was decision to oh, put it in the um, storage. Oh, Marindrell or whatever. I, is that wrong? I don't know how his name is said, to be sure. It's, I just. No, I know, but I'm, is my guess wrong? Why would I tell you that? I don't know. I just feel like if it was wrong, you could tell me. I'm not going to tell you. That takes all the fun out of it. You wouldn't tell me. (laughs) Valid. Valid point. So on January 18th, Walter Jacobson, an anchorman who worked at WBBM-TV, got a phone call from a man who called himself Tony. Let me make a quick correction there. It was not a phone call. It was nine phone calls. Tony tells Walter that he knows the kid who stole the paintings and that the kid was scared and didn't know what to do with the paintings. Tony says that the kid had threatened to destroy the paintings by ripping them into pieces and shoving them into the mouth of the lion that sits at the front of the Art Institute. That's stupid. So do you know which building this is now that I say that there's a lion outside? Uh, Yeah, I can like picture it in my head. Okay, yeah, because I wasn't sure which like art place it was. And then when it said the lion, I was like, oh, duh. Yeah. Um, Tony then tells Walter that the kid wants, um, $100,000, which just so happens to be the amount the Art Institute is willing to pay for information. He wants 50000 for himself, the kid does, um, 25000 for Tony, and $25,000 for Walter. So all Walter has to do is bring the money to a phone book, or phone book, <laughs> phone booth, in um, the Woodfield Mall. Walter agrees and promises not to involve any sort of, um, st- be involved in any sort of like a sting or anything to get this guy. And he said that he didn't want the money, but he wanted the story and the chance to be the hero, which makes actually sense to me because he's a journalist. Right. So what better scoop than to be literally involved um, Walter then calls Larry Chalmers, who agreed to get the money in small unmarked bills. Then he, the FBI, and the police, and then a bunch of lawyers showed up at WBBM's office. Um, so there were apparently some procedures that the FBI required that they do before Chalmers can hand over the money. Um, they would have to have Tony 
um, identify some markings on the backs of the paintings to prove that he actually had them. Okay. Which, smart. Very. (laughs) And so Tony calls again to set up final instructions, and he tells Walter that he'll show him the markings at the phone booth. Larry Chalmers says no deal. Everyone agrees, and police tell um, Walter that they assume that Tony would have showed up, killed Walter for the $75,000, and that it was all just kind of like a hoax to try and get the money from him. Yeah, like, um, well, and yeah, how was he, like, planning on showing him, like, drawing it or something? I don't know. Or, like, maybe he had pictures. How would he or, have pictures? Well, if he had a picture of the back of the Oh, I artwork. guess. But I don't. Um, Walter agreed with them. It was like, yeah, it was probably a way to just get some money, and it would not have ended well for me. So, um, and that was in January. So then we go to March, and um, at this point, Nick Pace decides that it's time to talk to a reporter and, like, share his side of the story. So he said um, that the writing... Did he talk to Walter? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so, actually. Poor Walter. I know. Um, So he said that the writing that the police found was a work of fiction, as I said before. The plastic was from his new mattress, and... He claimed that he didn't know what the police were looking for when they first questioned him. So he lied about the plexiglass until he realized that they, like, probably wouldn't have called in the FBI for some missing plexiglass. So that's why he was just like, oh, no, I wasn't there. And, like, that's why his story changed. So he, like, claims he didn't know the paintings were stolen at this point? Yep. Okay. So he also said that he didn't want to do a polygraph because they're not accurate and all he had to do was be nervous and he would fail it, which is totally valid, valid because I, I don't think I would ever do a, a polygraph either because of that exact reason. There's no way I'd pass a polygraph. Oh my God. I'd be, I'd be too nervous. I'd be scared shitless. Like, I'd be like, mm-mm. So, um, on May 23rd, the paintings were recovered Oh. When they were walked into the busy Drake Hotel on Michigan Avenue in a garbage bag. The ransomer was looking to collect $250,000 ransom and was armed with a 9mm automatic weapon and 41 rounds of ammunition. Wait. He just walked into a hotel? Did you say? Yep. So he had been in talks with the Chicago, or the Institute of Art in Chicago. This person had? Yes. And they had agreed to pay $250,000. So why did he go to a hotel with a gun? He he was supposed to go there to pick up the money. Oh. And it, he wasn't even supposed to have the paintings with him. He just brought them. I, I'm assuming to get rid of them. Because he was like, I can't have these and the money. Like, they were supposed, he was like supposed to drop the paintings somewhere else. Um, according to the plan. Okay. So... Nick Pace was arrested when he stepped outside the Drake Hotel and was charged with felony theft and unlawful use of a weapon. Where was he hiding these paintings? I have no idea. They never said. And I looked in, in like, I even looked like, I wasn't even sure if they had been found for the longest time because, like, the articles were kind of older ones, like, reprinted. You know, like how sometimes they'll, like, have a story in a newspaper and they'll just, like, reprint it yeah on the internet so that's what a couple of these were yeah so to get kind of creative but he served 10 years in prison for the thefts of the paintings and the weapons charge so that's it yeah 
because i mean it wasn't a and uh, he did it by himself yeah he literally just like took them out of the what was his plan that was the to thing. get the ransom that was the thing that the police said they were like here's the deal like he had a good plan but he didn't know what his end game was like he had a way to get them he had a way to get them out of the building he had all of this done clearly and he got away with it not without being under suspicion but then he didn't know how to get rid of them so there was like no plan for getting money or plan for selling them on the black market i was gonna say that yeah i'm sure like black market was because i'm sure it was maybe a lot harder back harder then. to do back then without the internet yeah i feel like the internet makes everything black market a little bit easier, easier to do yeah not that either of us would know but it's an assumption <laughs> right so that's my whole story um by the time so like the article that 10 years only yeah I mean, he did bring them back, I guess. Yeah, and they came back in one piece. Yeah. Literally, the day that they were collected, within like two hours, one of them was back on and display. And there was no damage or anything? Apparently not. Well, The other two, I think it was like a couple of days before they were back up, but it wasn't more than a week. Damn. So, wherever he kept them, he kept them in good shape. Do you, do you know how long they were gone for? Um. So, that was May 23rd of... Um, 79 nine. damn it 79 because it happened they they found out that the paintings were missing on december 27th 1978 and this was the following may so five months yeah so he was probably just tired of being like stressed out about the yeah paintings. <laughs> was like, right? I, I, can't. I just gotta get rid of these damn things was he tony did we ever figure out? Uh, I never saw anything that said it, he was Tony. I literally think that Tony was just somebody trying to get money, money out of the deal. I really do. Because if if it were him, then why wouldn't he have just been like, here's what's on oh, the back you're right. of the paintings. Yeah, I forgot about that part. You know, because he, he obviously wanted to get rid of them, but he just didn't know how. Yeah. So I do think that <laughs> the fact that they couldn't tell them walter what was on the back um i think the fbi saved his life by saying we gotta know we can't just let you go with this money yeah so um my sources were uh chicagomag.com nytimes.com and chicagotribune.com cool never heard that i've heard of it but never heard of it you know what i mean yeah you've never heard the whole story but you knew it happened right yeah yeah Yep. Huh. Wonder what he's doing now. That's a really good question. I didn't. I didn't really look. Um, when I typed in Nick Pace, like, um, how long did Nick Pace serve? It came up with an MMA fighter. Oh. <laughs> so he, I don't. I had to like use his actual full name, and even then, it took me a while to find. That's what took me so long was oh, trying to find find the conclusion to the story. Gotcha. So. 10 years and he probably yeah. got out early for good behavior just kidding i don't know maybe <laughs> i'm making that up <laughs> yeah i don't know i just thought it was really interesting and he was like in his late 20s i think he was like 28 or 29 when this all damn happened so he's got a lot of life left yeah he's so crazy there you go all right um socials are mw madness pod 
I'm. Why am I blanking? M W Madness podcast. I took podcast. a drink because I was expecting her to just crush it, and she just stared uh, at me blankly. Uh, <laughs> M W Madness podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, same Gmail and yep. Midwest Podca- Madness podcast, the group on Facebook. And it's M W Madness Pod on Twitter. I looked it up. Cool. Anything else you want to chat about? Happy June. Happy June. Hopefully, those of you who have children, you survive the summer. And Um, enjoy the nice weather. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We will talk to you guys next Tuesday. Bye.